tell you, my understanding is, some of the guys thought back about it, in the history of the church that we know of, we've never had this happen. We had five families join the church last month. And we are so excited. And, and why I'm excited about that is because God's building his church. It's not that we're doing some crazy marketing campaign. It's just you guys are inviting other people to come. And like Trish said, this is just a family. You can be crazy and be here. Trust me, many, I know some of y'all. And <laughs> but but we, we believe God is just building his church. He's just adding folks to his church. And, and you know what? We believe that church should be a fun place to be, right? We don't come in here, oh, I'm a lowly worm. No. This is not about that. God loves you, and God created you, and God has a plan for your life, and we ought to be excited about that. Amen. Amen. I'm going to talk a little bit about the football game Friday night. That was fun. Oh. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, man, Wardell and I still wore out, aren't we? I felt like I played Tim, not talking Kurt. We were all, woo, we were crazy. I thought we were going to get a penalty. <laughs> Excessive yelling, 15 yards. I'd have taken it too, boy. John, I wanted to go in so bad. Put me in, John. I'd be out there with my walker. Throw it to me. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was fired up. I'm going to get fired I'm getting fired up again. You might need to sit down. You might throw but something out. right now, out. I'm going to call these folks' name out, and they're going to come forward, and then we as a church family are going to pray over them, okay? Sean and Tana Wright, y'all come on up here. Sean and Tana. Alan Taylor. Alan, come on up. Sue McDonald, come on up, Sue. Tim and Melissa Evans. And Bill and Corky Turner, you guys all come up here. This is an awesome thing. Let's just turn around and, turn around and face everybody. These families represent 14 people. Let's give them a big hand, amen. So these are your new church family members. So when you see them, wave, you know, happy stuff in town. But <laughs> Smart Alex, boy, I tell you what. Jack has to be nice to you now. That's exactly what that means. <laughs> Let's do this. I want to pray and bless them and their families. Let's all reach out our hands towards them. Let's just pray for them. Father, we thank you for each person, each family represented here today. Lord, we pray that you would bless them. Father, that you would give them favor and guide their steps. Lord, we thank you that they're here. And we thank you they've call, that you've called them to come alongside us. Bless their lives. Lord, I pray that you would uncover the gifts that you've placed in their heart. And Father, they would find true fulfillment in all that you've called them to do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And Pam, Pam, you want to come up here real quick? Pam moved yesterday, as many of you guys know, Pam's house was hit by that F4, F5 tornado a couple years ago, and we moved her yesterday into her new house. I'm not sure I'll need this, because I'm going to blubber probably all over myself. I will too, so I'll make you feel better. I'm going to let Trisha home real quick. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. I think I can talk loud enough. Um... You know, our lives take many changes, and uh, I thought mine was rock solid. And two years ago on Super Tuesday, Friday, or I don't know, Super Tuesday, February the 5th, 2008, tornado came through. We had a 4,000-square-foot home, 1,200-square-foot garage, so 5,200 square feet that was devastated. And uh, we lost most everything. My mother died not too long after that storm. My father had a stroke during the storm, and I had extensive injury. My husband, I don't know what happened with him. But anyway, we all coped differently. And eventually he left. My mother passed. My father has Alzheimer's. So I felt very much alone and fell into the pit. Didn't think I could ever come back out. I just wanted to die because I felt like I'd lost everything. One day, Christy gave me a ticket to come to the slumber party that the ladies were having. It was a gathering for all the ladies of the church. 
and we got to dress up in pajamas and do funny, silly, goofy things. And it was raining, raining terribly. It was a terrible storm that night. I'm profoundly night blind. So I thought, well, I'm not going to go. But during this time, I went from 5,200 square feet, good job, lots of friends and family, to a 672 square foot trailer that was parked on a place where we were building a new home. But since my husband left, couldn't do that by myself. I've stayed in that trailer. There was some problems. And I was advised to leave because I was in harm's way. So anyway, I've been staying with my neighbor who didn't come this morning because she didn't want to hear me cry. And she has company. But anyway, um, I've slept for a few months on a couch. No home, no bed. Yesterday, these folks came, and I don't want to forget anybody's name, so if I do, please forgive me. Um, the ticket got me in here. My heart was semi-opened. Now it's wide open to God. It's filled with so much love. <laughs> so anyway, the ticket got me here. By the third visit, I couldn't come to altar call because I felt like my legs were just rubber and I couldn't make it up the aisle. So when it was over at church that day, Chris was standing out here. I saw him. It was the day of the potato bar. I walked in and just basically fell into his arms because I needed so much help. I had to find myself again because I was so lost. I was in the pit, and all I wanted to do was just die. I didn't think I had anything left to live for. I have a good job, and I love the community because so many people helped after the storm. I had extensive injuries that I've been recovering from now for two and a half years, but I only missed three weeks of work during that time. And so anyway, the pastors came. They helped. Scott, Sean, Slade, Miles, and who am I forgetting? Ronnie. Nick. Ronnie, I know. And so all these people, their wives, their families, gave them up for yesterday to help me for their day of whatever they would normally be doing. They gave me their time. And Monica stopped by. Clint stopped by. Uh, my friend B helped, and she has family. They came and helped. And so needless to say, for the first time in two and a half years, I have a bed to sleep in. And I have a home. <laughs> it's bigger in real life. Yeah. <laughs> and I slept the most peaceful sleep last night that I've had since the tornado. And I'm so proud to be not just still alive and well, but in this home of church family. And thank you all so much. Amen. This is open mic night at church. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Pam, that reminds me that in the bulletin there is again a, an address form and all your personal. Please fill it out again. Okay. <laughs> Even if you've done so before, we're trying to put everything into Power Church now, and there's a lot of information I still have missing. <laughs> Thank you. Our resident Germans got to get us squared away, so that's, <laughs> that's what I was doing, amen. They do a great job. If you're wondering what our church is about, that's what our church is about. Yeah. That's it. Pure and simple. The love of God. Jesus said, he summed up the whole Bible in a real simple way. He said, guys, it's all about loving God and loving people. That's it. Not judging them, where you come from, all those things. That doesn't matter. It matters where you're going. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, Trish. Isn't that good? God is so good to all of us. And see, that's why it's so important to have a church family. 
Because uh, in Ephesians it says, and it's difficult, this is my paraphrase, it's difficult just to have one person. But because when you fall, who's there to pick you up? But when you have two, then when you fall, someone's there to pick you up. And that's what your church family really is all about. So it's really, it's good to be plugged into the local church. Well, before Chris starts the sermon, you're going to preach today, aren't you? Yeah, I think I'm out. Okay. <laughs> See if I can work it in. I just wanted to encourage Are you. Are there any other announcements? <laughs> I want to just encourage you in this. John 8.31 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. This is the part I love about it. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In one translation, in NIV, it says the truth will set you free. And let me tell you what that's talking about just real quickly. What that's saying is that word to know, you will know the truth, that doesn't mean you will know about it. It's the word gnosko in the Greek. And it means to be intimately conscious. You know what? I'm going to turn this off because it keeps clicking up. I'm probably doing something wrong. But it means in the Greek to be intimately acquainted with, to know that you know that you know, that you know. My pastor growing up said, he would always say, you know in your knower. That's how we should know this word. And he says, you, you should know the truth, this word. And that is what is going to set you free. It's what's going to keep you free. Amen? So I would just encourage all of us, me included, get in the word. Because whatever you have going on, you need to make the word so strong in your life. Remember last week I was talking about making God bigger in you than your circumstances. How big is your God? And you know you can make God bigger in you by reading the word. Because as you read the word and you plant that seed in your heart, God grows, he grows, he grows. And then you start believing what God's word says more than you believe what the doctor's report says, more than you believe what your eyes and your ears tell you, more than you believe how you're feeling that day, you say, but God, because you say this word is true, and I will believe nothing else if it comes against this word. Amen? So I just encourage us, get in the word. Know, know that you know that you know the word, and that is going to set you free in every area, your finances, your relationships with family members. If there are children out and they're not serving the Lord, it'll bring them back around. Know the word, and it will make you free in those areas. Amen? God bless you guys. Mowen, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Thanks, Trish. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. She really is the brains of our outfit at the house. Go ahead. Amen. Thank you, Dennis. I knew that was coming, so I just thought I'd help you. <laughs> if you've got your Bibles, hold them up this morning. Let's do our confession. Say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth, transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You sound great this morning. All right, a mother went to wake up her son. Said, son, it's time to get up. You've got church this morning. He said, mom, I don't want to go. I don't like those people over there, and those people don't like me. She said, all right, I'm going to give you two reasons you're going to go. Reason number one, you're 47 years old. <laughs> Reason number two, you're the pastor of the church, and you need to get over there. <laughs> I'm glad that's not our church, amen? We've got the best church in the world. A uh, little boy, it was around Christmas time. It was the day after Christmas, and the pastor had to run in to check on something. And it was, he was walking in, he noticed the nativity outside was missing the baby Jesus. So he starts looking around. About that time, a little boy comes walking down the street with a little red wagon. And he looks and he sees the baby Jesus in the little red wagon. He goes up. He said, son, where did you get that baby Jesus? He said, I got him out of the nativity. He said, what are you doing with him? He said, well, I was praying the other day. And I said, Jesus, if you give me a red wagon, I'll pull you in it. <laughs> so he was giving him a ride, wasn't he? <laughs> You know, the last, the last, including today, the last four weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and, 
usually when you talk about the Holy Spirit, people start getting nervous. And the reason they get nervous is we can all understand who God the Father is, right? We all get that, God the Father. We can understand Jesus, the Son of God. We understand that. But when you start talking about the Holy Ghost, people go, oh, they start thinking of weird stuff. And the reality is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is not weird. Who's weird? People are weird. People do crazy stuff, not the Holy Spirit. And I've loved this series so much because it's really helped me begin to understand who the Holy Spirit really is and what His purpose in the Trinity is, and more importantly, what His purpose in our life is. And it's very simple. The Greek calls the word Holy Spirit paraclete. And a paraclete is someone who comes directly on side of you to help you carry the burdens. So in other words, if there's a log here and there's two ends of this log, you grab one end, the paraclete, the word image, the paraclete is the one that stands on the other end and lifts up that log and helps you carry the burden. Yesterday, Sean and I, you know, all of us were working hard. We had Nick and Ronnie and Slade and Miles and Sean and, and, and Scott, and we were all out there just working, and, and man, it was something. And, and uh, there was a safe, and this safe was about six, eight hundred, four thousand pounds, I don't know. It was the heaviest thing I've ever touched. We were over there trying to move this thing, and we thought it was bolted into the floor, and it wasn't. It was just that heavy. I mean, this thing was big. And so we go to move it, and we've got literally four or five on, of us moving on this thing. Well, Sean and I were right there. He had one side of the dolly. I had a, the other side of the dolly. At that moment, the word picture there is paraclete. We were right there beside each other, shouldering that burden together, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes along, and when the burdens are heavy and we can't carry the burden, the Holy Spirit is right there with us, taking that load off of us and carrying it with us. That's exactly what that means. I didn't think about that till today, but that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's not weird. He's not goofy. He has gifts to give us. There are things that he wants to put into our life. But more than anything, and I love this, Jesus said, it's good that I go away. It's good that I go away because I'm going to send one. And he's going to come to you and he's going to remind you of all the things I said. The Holy Spirit comes and he gives us gifts and abilities and talents. And he lives inside of us. And he, he tells us what's going on in the future. And he reminds us of the things that Jesus has done. He's our best friend. He is literally our best friend. And if you've got your notes there, you've got the scriptures. I'm going to read it out of the New International Version. But here's what it says. 2 Corinthians 13, verses 14 through 15. May the grace... Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to stop right there. Starts with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can't have a relationship with God and you can't have a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the amazing grace, those songs we sing about, the song we sing about today, that God's grace is enough. Grace is somebody else paying your tab for you when, they, when you don't deserve it. Grace is somebody paying a price that you owe. And it says, may the amazing grace of Jesus. And then this, it says, and the love of God, the extravagant, amazing, over-the-top love of God, the God who created the universe, who knows you by name, who loves you on your best day and your worst day. That is amazing to me. See, many of us have walked around and have grown up where we think God's mad at us. And, and God's not mad at us. He's madly in love with us. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And then the last part of the verse says, And the fellowship, which also means communion and friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Holy Spirit is sent to be with us forever. When we're all alone, he's right there beside us and in us to carry our loads, help us carry things. And I want you to understand something, folks. And I'm so passionate about this. It is not about religion. You know, somebody comes up to me, and a lot of times they may find out I'm a pastor. Say, hey, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Usually they look at me because I don't look like one. I don't know what a pastor is supposed to look like, but I don't guess I look like one. They usually look at me like, uh, okay. Uh, but, you know, and, but sometimes they'll say to me, well, I don't lack religion. To which I always respond, neither do I. <laughs> that kind of freaks them out. Because, see, it's not about religion. And I talked the other day about original intent. In the Bible, in theological terms, if you want to understand why something's written in the Bible, you look back at the original intent. And the original intent for us, why God created each person in this room, why God created Adam and Eve, you go back to the very, very beginning, first chapter in Genesis, why did God create man? 
to have fellowship with them. God created us to have relationship with him. He also created the heavens and the earth, and he created us to sit in the heavens and the earth and to rule and to reign, to enjoy what he's created. And then every day in the cool of the evening, he would come down and he would walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. That's it. God created you for relationship with him. But then we know that sin came along, we messed up, and the rest of the Bible from Genesis on is God working to get man back in right relationship with him. That's it, folks. This is not complicated. It's not complicated at all. So we've got to learn to keep it simple. You know, today, as, as we're going to talk about the, uh, the last role, the last role that the Holy Spirit plays. And here, here is that role. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives to purify us. He helps us to become and stay clean. Uh, look in your notes at, verse, uh, or at Luke chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And this is what John said. John answered them all, and he said, this is uh, John the Baptist. He said, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Everybody say fire. fire. What fire is about, and I know more about fire than most people, <laughs> as many of you know. Kurt, you and I would have met last year almost about this time when I burned up half the world over there. You probably thought, who is that crazy redneck? That was me. <laughs> I'm Kurt's neighbor down there. But but fire, in the scripture, typically when you see the word fire, it means purification. Fire comes to purify and to cleanse things. And so when you read the scripture right here, it says that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He means that a cleansing work will take place. The Holy Spirit comes into our life to help clean up all the junk. Okay? And I talked to Marty and got his clearance on this the other day. A few years ago in their old house, Marty went underneath the house to uh, fix some pipes. And uh, so he was, he was down underneath the crawl space and he was crawling through there. And the dryer, for years and years, the lint from the dryer had accumulated up underneath the house. Years of it. And, and so he gets down in there and he's working on these pipes. So he gets out this cutting torch. <laughs> and he goes, lit the torch. When he lit the torch, all that lint went up. And it was a flash fire. It went, and he said it was literally that quick. By the time he figured out what was going on, it was already out. Carol, you knew about this, right? <laughs> She's shaking her head. <laughs> you really didn't know? Anyway, Ronnie was underneath his house. And it was Ronnie. It was me. And I was underneath the house. <laughs> And, Mar <laughs> and not Marty <laughs> said, <laughs> said he was going to crawl out. He was trying to figure out how he was going to crawl out from underneath the house, grab the hose, run back in there, put it. But it was out as quick as it happened. And what happened is that fire went in there and all that lint, all that trash burned up. And that's what the Holy Spirit, that's a visual representation of what the Holy Spirit does in our life. When he comes into our life, he burns up all the junk that's in there. Amen. Marty, I love you, and I'm praying for you. I just want you to know that. <laughs> oh, let's all pray. Father, I just <laughs> for Marty. I want to say something to you. Do you know why there are many people that aren't in this church today? I'll tell you. Because I've met them. They don't want to come to church because they feel like they have to clean up their life before they get here. And I'll tell you the visual representation of that. I had a, an elderly lady probably six months ago come into the church, and, and I met her out in the hall, and we were talking. It was during the week. And I, I said, why don't, you, why don't you come see us on church? On, you know, come visit us on church Sunday. And she said, well, she said, Pastor, I can't. And I said, well, why not? She said, I don't have any nice clothes to wear. I said, well, you don't have to wear nice clothes. I always don't, you know. <laughs> you know but but I, I looked at her, and I, I said, I said that, that doesn't matter. I said, just come as you are. But what was she saying? My life is not cleaned up. My life is not cleaned up enough. And, and the misunderstanding that most people have is they don't want to come to Jesus. They want to get their life straight. 
Let me clean up my life. Let me put on a new set of clothes. And when I come put on that new set of clothes, then God will accept me. And that's absolutely wrong. That is absolutely a lie. And and it's this lie that's been perpetuated literally for hundreds of years. That people feel like they have to have everything together. And what does Jesus say to us? He says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Let me paraphrase it for you. Come to me, all who have messed up lives. If you've messed up, that's okay. If, If you've lived your life and you've made a lot of mistakes, that's all right. Come to me. And Jesus spent so much of his time with the sinners, the sinners, and the people that were upset at him were who? The religious people. They were the ones that were upset at Jesus all the time. Why? Because he was loving the unlovely. I don't know about you, but I've been unlovely before. Anybody else been unlovely before? And what I've learned is Jesus says, come to me like you are. That's why this church, we play that video and I love it where it says, we're not going to judge you. I don't, care, I don't care where you came from. I'm not necessarily care what you did yesterday. It's not about that. It's a fact that when Jesus comes into our life, he's the one that purifies us. And, and he, he's the one that comes in and does that work in our lives. And the most miserable people to be around are the ones who are trying to keep all the rules. Because they can't. And they're mad because they can't. And they want everybody else to obey the rules all around them. And the reason that religious people tend to be miserable is that they can't keep the rules and they want everybody else to keep the rules and nobody else can. And so then they judge people. Sinner. Why? To make themselves feel better. That is true. That is just the truth. You know what Jesus called religious people? He called them whitewashed tombs. Pretty on the outside, dead on the inside. He called them vipers. Y'all know how I feel about snakes. I mean, that's Jesus' picture of religious people. See, it's not about that. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly to the full, overflowing. He knows that you've messed up. So I'm telling you today, give yourself a break. Now, I want you to understand something here. I'm not saying go out and do whatever you want to do. You're going to reap what you sow to a degree. But what I am telling you is if you will stay close to God and you invite the Holy Spirit to live in your life, it's his job to clean you up. I was talking to one of the ladies in the church this week. She said, Pastor, this is what's amazing to me. The things that used to be hard for me to overcome in my life are easier now. And I said, you know why? Because that's the Holy Spirit working in you. When he's living in you, what happens is you're just not attracted to the things that you used to be anymore. That's why I don't judge people, because it's not my job to clean up their life, and they need help from God to clean up their life too. But as we stay close to him, that purifying fire comes in there, and what happens is the things that we used to want to do, we, a lot of times we just don't want to do anymore. And he helps us to be better. Isn't that good news? I mean, that's really the good news of the gospel. So here's the deal. When you invite Jesus to be your Savior, when you invite the Holy Spirit to be in your life, he sanctifies you. And sanctifies means cleans up. It is not through your own effort. It is through Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit working in you. Amen. That is good, good news. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22 says this, But do not put out the Spirit's fire, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify, purify, or cleanse you through and through. May the whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. So it's the Holy Spirit's job in our life to clean us up. But I want to tell you something. Our human spirit, our human nature, our flesh wants to do bad things, doesn't it? Doesn't it? You know, I got to tell you, mom and dad came into town, and they stopped in Batesville. And apparently, Batesville has this place that's called the, the Bread Outlet or something, right? Some kind of a, y'all know what I'm talking about? You can go there and buy Twinkies for like five cents or something. And so, so mom and dad came to the house, and they brought like 14 pounds of bread, right? And dad gets out, and there's these little bitty pecan pies that are this big. You know what I'm talking about? And they're good if you heat them up with milk. <laughs> and and he, got, he has this whole box of those, and he brings this whole box of ding-dongs or ho-hos or whatever you call them. The chocolate things filled with stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Is any of that stuff good for you? No. 
And in the South, we've taken it to a whole new level. We fry those things. <laughs> right? You know what happened. There was some redneck out at his house at Thanksgiving frying a turkey. <laughs> and his Twinkie dropped in there. <laughs> he reached down to grab it and said, hey. <laughs> Seriously, you know that's what happened. But, but we have taken unhealthy food to a whole new level in the South, boy. You know, we're going to die quickly if we keep doing that. But what happens is, is we have to realize that, that the things that we put in our life, the stuff like that that gets in there, if we'll let the Holy Spirit just come alongside us, be our paraclete, he'll help clean that stuff up. He'll clean out all the fried Twinkies and Ho-Hos in your life. <laughs> but he wants to do that. Y'all can tell everybody I said that. Everybody will be like, What? Y'all pastor's crazy. <laughs> you know? But I want to tell you, our spirit, our flesh, our human nature is drawn to bad stuff. Just by nature. Our human nature is to do stuff. I mean, have you ever seen a baby that wasn't selfish? Have you? Oh, I'm sorry, Father. I know you need to sleep now, but I'm going to wake you up at 3 in the morning. Wah! I mean, when a kid wants something, they want something right now. It doesn't change, I don't guess. <laughs> but little babies, little babies are like that. We're born with this selfish nature that wants what we want, right? So if you look at your notes, there's three things that I'm going to show you here that our human spirit, our human nature is drawn to. So look at your blanks there. The first blank is our spirit is drawn to idolatry. It is drawn to idolatry. And here's what idolatry means. Anything you put before God. Anything that you put before God. Look at Matthew 6, verse 24. And this is one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. Let me just tell you that up front. No one can serve two masters. This is Jesus talking. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And here's what that means. The intention here, when he says money, what Jesus is talking about is possessions. He's talking about stuff. He's talking about things. We talked about this Wednesday night in our men's group, and guys are usually worse than women in this situation. It is really true. Guys like stuff. Guys, anybody like their stuff? We like our stuff, don't we? We like our toys. And what happens, and this is where it gets difficult for guys, our spirit is drawn to idolatry. And what I mean by that is anything that we put before God. And, and it is so easy for us in our flesh to put stuff before God. We put anything in between us and him. And, and it's easy to do that because our flesh is just drawn to those kind of things. So that's one of the things we have to, want, we have to watch. But I want to make this very clear to you. God is not saying that he, that he does not want you to have money. And that's where people in the religious circles have missed it. What they think is, well, I shouldn't have anything. God doesn't want me to have money. That is absolutely a lie. That is not truth. God does not mind that you have stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. Okay? Because here's what I mean by that. We work and work and work and work and work to accumulate things. Right? But what happens is then we have to keep working and keep working and keep working to keep our things, right? You know, we get up and we go and we go and we go. And a lot of times the reason that we're doing that is because our stuff now owns us instead of us owning our stuff. And we have to get those in balance. This Financial Peace University class is great for that. It helps us get balance in our lives. And so that's what we have to do. I mean, I love stuff as much as anybody. You know, we, I love to have airplanes and all kinds of stuff. But here's the thing. If the stuff has you, it makes life very unenjoyable. And I want to tell you something. Stuff doesn't love you back. Stuff doesn't love you back. I mean, when's the last time you saw a guy out standing by his bass boat? Oh, I love you. And the boat says, I love you too. <laughs> You're my favorite human I've ever seen. Let's go catch a fish. You know, I mean, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't do that, does it, guys? Or you sit by your gun, you're the best little gun I've ever had. I know, yes, you are. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Usually a dog will do that, but they're free most of the time. So, you know, but the, but the reality is we, we've got to get the balance right there. And again, there's nothing wrong. Please understand my heart. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. God is not against you having stuff. But you've got to get the balance there. 
And I'll tell you a lot of times what you have to do, fellas, because I've had to do this. You've got to get rid of some of your stuff to get your heart right. You do. Until you can control that. And I'm talking to some ladies, too, because I know some of y'all got some shoes. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you right now, if we did the garage sale thing, what we could do is put... <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> we could outfit everybody in Sharp County with shoes. I can see Dennis with high heels just going, you know. But I mean, it's the truth. We've got so many shoes, and Trisha has, I'm going to tell, baby, I can't help it. I, she's got boxes for her shoes. What? You know, well, I'm sorry, Corky. I voted Corky in. Now she's mad at me. already mad. But, but the thing is, we have to make sure that we have it in the right order. God's not against you having shoes. He, doesn't want, he just doesn't want shoes to have you, right? So does everybody understand God's not against your stuff? Just get it in the right priority. Let me tell you the second thing. Here's the second blank. Our soul, our flesh, is drawn to pride. It's drawn to pride. And pride simply means being puffed up. We, we want to be the man. We want to be in charge. We like that. And our flesh wants to be that way. It likes to be in charge. I like to be in charge. I, I, you know, when we go shopping anywhere, Trisha is a good shopper. I am not. I, I want to buy things. I, I, approach, I approach shopping like hunting. You know, I never walk into the woods thinking, oh, I wonder what I'm going to see today. Hmm, look at the flowers. No, when I go hunting, I'm walking into the woods, and I am looking for a big buck or a cow or whatever, you know. I mean, it's just a, but, I mean, I'm, I'm looking. I'm hunting. I am, I am you know, <laughs> I've driven her nuts since we've even dated. We'd be going somewhere. I said, what are we looking for? Well, we'll just look around when we get there. No, I want to know what the mission is. What are we going to buy? We're walking into Walmart. There's something we're looking for. I want to know. And then it's a challenge to me to find it as quick as I can. When I hit the door, Dewey's at the door greeting me. You know, y'all know Big Dewey. And Dewey's at the door, and I walk in. Hey, Dewey. And it's like I want, to, I want him to time me. Go. You know, and I, you know, <laughs> I want to see how fast. Olympic gold medal and Walmart rushing around. You know, I, that, that's, I'm way off topic, aren't I? <laughs> But, here, but here's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in. It's not about pride anymore. Here's what happens. Look at Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what the, let me explain this to you. The fruit of the Spirit, when you plant a tree, what happens? The tree comes up and it drops what? Fruit. Do apple trees produce bananas? No. You'll know a tree by its fruit. And the Spirit, when He's living in our life, our life is going to produce something. We are all producing some kind of fruit. Some of us bitter fruit, some of us good fruit. But here's what happens when God, when the Holy Spirit is living in us. This is what the produce, the fruit of your life will be. Check this out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow. Wow. Who doesn't want that? I mean, do, do any of you wake up in the morning going, you know, things have been going so well lately, I think I'd like a little more stress today. Anybody? Anybody wake up in the morning going, you know what, I haven't been angry in so long, I'd just like to throw a fit. You know, anybody? When God is living in us, when the Holy Spirit more and more, as we draw closer to him, as we allow him to live more and more in our life, this is what the, the, the produce of our life is. We produce these things. That's why if you get around somebody that really loves God, these are the things that are coming out of their life. And here's the deal. It doesn't matter what your personality is. You're going to produce these things if the Holy Spirit's living in you. If you are saved and Jesus is living in your heart, Holy Spirit's living in your heart, every one of us is going to produce that. And I tell you what I've learned more and more, and I mean, I really do feel this way. When I get to come up here, I get excited about coming to church. We don't have to come, we get to come. You know, last night I was sitting around with a bunch of our church members and we were sitting around fire and roasting marshmallows that Christy found somewhere that are freakishly, they're like that big. They're like pillows. It's awesome because you can roast them or lay on them. I mean, it's amazing. But, but the truth is we're sitting around and we're laughing and Dennis is telling Dennis stories and you know, it's just this joy. 
and it's fun. And nobody got hurt that I know of. And I mean, it was just, it was a good time. And you get around God's people and it's just fun. That's the joy of the Lord. And it's peaceful. You're not trying to impress people. You're not trying to do something. There's this peace that's in your life. And that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We all need more of that. Here's number three, thing that our flesh is drawn to. Our body is drawn to lust. Our body is drawn to lust. And lust is simply this. You can put an equal sign. Lust means doing whatever you want to. That's all that lust means. Doing whatever you want to. And people tend to talk about it in the physical, but the reality is it's simply doing having your own way. You want something and you're going to get it. Anybody ever been like that? Usually the way that statement ends, and I'll run over anybody that I have to to get it, that's lust. If I have to make somebody else look good to get what I want because I want something and I run over, that's where lust comes in. And a lot of us have to deal with that. It's not just a physical situation where you're physically wanting somebody else. It's anything. And this lust is out there and you want stuff so bad you don't care who you have to run over to get it. That's what lust is. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 through 20 says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God. Listen to this. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So lust is simply doing whatever we want to do. Well, pastor, that's all great and that's fine. And now I'm depressed because you've told me all the things that my flesh wants to do. And hey, guess what? I already knew that. (laughs) How do we get out of it? The question is, okay, we know what the problem is. We know our flesh wants to do this. I mean, the Apostle Paul talked about that. He said, you know, the thing I want to do, I can't do, and I'm constantly in the struggle with my human nature, so how do I do it? And he says, thanks be to God, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, we finish this up. This is where the Holy Spirit really does an amazing work. Okay? Watch this. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says this. I will give you, this is God talking. I will give you a new heart, and I will put in you a new spirit. I will remove from, your heart, from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You've got to understand how huge this is. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was living inside of people. This was only in the New Testament. This was only after Jesus had come. And this was a promise that God was telling the people in the Old Testament. One of these days, you're not going to have to have a heart of stone anymore. One of these days, I'm going to do this amazing surgery in your life. And when you get saved, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take the heart of stone out, and I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh. But he even goes beyond that, and he said, I'm going to put my spirit in you, and listen to this, and I highlighted it, and move you to follow my decrees. Here's what that means. Let me just sum it up for you. God is able to take the junk that's in your life and the old heart that's in you, that broken heart. See, some of you are sitting out there today. I know you are. You go, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've gotten into. You don't understand the mistakes that I've made in my life. You don't understand how my heart is. I've got a hard heart. We've all heard of people that are hard-hearted. That's exactly the people that Jesus is talking about. And he's saying, I will take that heart out, and I will put in a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a brand new heart. But I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and that's what Jesus was talking about. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to live inside of you, and he's going to give you a desire to be better. He's going to give you a desire to follow God. Do you guys understand how huge that is? And some of you are sitting out there going, Pastor, I could never be better. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with the other thing. When you're allowing God to live in here, you're going to have a desire to want to be better. You're going to, in other words, to use our funny example of the ho-hos and the Twinkies, you're not going to want ho-hos and Twinkies anymore. Can somebody say praise God? (laughs) But when his spirit comes in us, sometimes the desire that's in there goes away for those bad things. And here's the thing. I want you to understand something. It doesn't mean you don't have a part to play. There's so many times in Scripture it says if, which indicates we have a choice to make. If you invite the Holy Spirit, if you do this, if you do that, you have a choice. God does not make us robots. He gives us a choice. We have to choose. 
So how do we do that? How do we get there? Number one, the first thing that you have to do is invite the Holy Spirit to show you. Invite the Holy Spirit to show you. Lord, show me how to be a better person. Show me how to live the life that I want. Invite the Holy Spirit. And I said show you. I mean, I put show me in your notes. Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. John 16, 8 says this. When he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And I want you to understand something. A lot of times the reason people don't want to come to church too is that it's hard enough for them to get here. And then they get here and they said, look, I don't want to come somewhere. Somebody's going to make me feel bad the whole time. They're going to sit there and point a finger at me and tell me I'm a sinner. And that's not what the Holy Spirit's job is. The Holy Spirit, conviction, what that word means is point you to a better way. He's not condemning you. The Holy Spirit is not here to condemn you. The Holy Spirit here is here to point you in a better direction. That's an amazing thing. Here's the number, number two, the second thing you need to do to change that old fleshly way. Invite the Holy Spirit to change me. Invite the Holy Spirit to change me. Psalm 51 verses 10 through 11 says this. Lord, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. When you make a mistake, confess it and simply ask God to help you change. Lord, help me be the kind of person you want me to be. Lord, I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have cussed. I know I shouldn't have kicked my dog. I know I shouldn't have whatever it was. Lord, help me. Fill me. Change me. Romans 8, verse 5 through 6 says this. Those who live according to the sinful nature, the flesh, have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is what? Life and peace. You know, I say it a lot. I said this a few weeks ago, but Trisha asked me when we moved here. At this stage in our life, she goes, what are you looking for? I'll be 44 here in a few weeks, three weeks. She said, what are you looking for at this stage in your life? And I didn't have to think about it. The word peace came out of my mouth. I want peace. You know, anybody else? You don't want to get up in the morning and have peace, know that God's there and that the struggles and things you're dealing with, that the Lord can be with you and there can be peace in your life. That is an amazing promise. And that's what the word's saying right here. But the mind controlled by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in you, your mind, Him helping you think right, is life and peace. Wow. It's an amazing promise. Galatians 5, 14 through 25 says this. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And this is number three, and I'm going to close. This is the last thing you have to do. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill you. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill you up. Ephesians 5.18 says this. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit, I did put this in your note, one, the main purpose of the Holy Spirit is to put a Holy Spirit in you. His job is to clean you up. His job is to live inside of you and get you where you need to be. I don't know, how many of y'all went to the game Friday night? How many of you stayed at the game Friday night? <laughs> that, was, that was probably the most exciting football game that I can remember ever going to. I mean, it's homecoming. The pirates are there, which I don't understand how there's pirates in Arkansas. But, you know, <laughs> anyway, there were these really confused pirates <laughs> that were here. And, and it was a game. We're down by three touchdowns. It's going into halftime. I mean, we're all, the, the stands are full. Everybody's there. And here we are, right? And, and I asked John, I asked Garrett, I said, Garrett, what did they say to y'all at halftime? He said, well, I can only tell you about half of it. <laughs> but I want to tell you, 
The Apostle Paul understood sports illustrations and he uses them often in the New Testament. He talks about boxing and he talks about running marathons because so many of us understand that sports are really a reflection of life. And, and the Bible talks about that as we move along in life that there's this great cloud of witnesses around us. I want you to just imagine for a minute this, the Super Bowl and, and the ball game's going on and this Super Bowl is really about your life. And all these witnesses, all these people, all your relatives that were saved have gone before and Jesus and God are watching this game and all the angels are watching and, and you're out there playing this ball game. And to me, it really is like this game on Friday night. It's like maybe you're down by three touchdowns in your life right now. I mean, you're, it's halftime and you're like, we are getting whooped. And that, that word was thrown around a little bit Friday night, wasn't it? Man, we're getting whooped. And, and we're sitting there thinking, what's going on? And the Holy Spirit is like this exhorter. You know, that's one of his gifts is exhortation. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to exhort us. And exhort us doesn't mean, well, go out there and play harder. It's okay if you lose. It's how hard you try. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> Life is not the YMCA. <laughs> I remember growing up, and I remember we played sports for a few years, and we didn't keep score. Life is not that way. Life is not that way. Life is not just go out and give it your best. Hmm. Life is about getting down in the trenches, and it's hard, and sometimes you're down by three touchdowns, and it's hard, and you want to give up. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and this great cloud of witnesses are cheering you on and, and, and the Lord's screaming out, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And you come out there and you score three unanswered touchdowns. And here we are, there's a minute 25 left in the game and we're down by one point and we decide to go for it to win the game, right? And then there's a penalty and we get backed up five yards and we're still gonna go for it. And that's how it is. I'm so excited. We're just sitting there, oh! you know and it was great and Garrett comes limping off the field and Courtney goes get back in there you big wimp you know she did didn't she Garrett because you were hurting you was cramping and Courtney and her love and compassion as a sister is <laughs> screaming get back in there you wimp I think that's great and Garrett did he was awesome all our boys did a good job we're really proud Proud of you guys, sticking it out. Y'all did great. And, and all the kids, and they're, and they're going so hard, and it's like that. Sometimes you're pulling muscles, and you don't think you can play. You've given everything you can. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside and exhorts you and says, you can do this. You can do this. Through your pain, through the hurt, you can do this. And, and the quarterback drops out and runs the sideline, and we catch the ball, and John tackles somebody. I mean, it was great. <laughs> but that's how it is in life. And that's why Paul used those illustrations so many times. He would go through and he would use those sports analogies that that's what life is like. That you get out there and you keep going and you keep going. And this great cloud of witnesses is looking at you saying, you can make it. You can make it. So if you're here today and you feel that way, you say, you know what, Pastor? It's like that for me. I mean, I'm down by three touchdowns. I've made so many mistakes in my life, I don't think I could ever recover. I want to tell you something. There is hope for you. There is absolutely hope for you. Jesus died so that you could win. He died so that you could win. And you may be hurt. Your legs may be cramping. But I was so proud of Garrett that he went back out there and he played, even though he was hurt. And that's what we have to do. We have to realize that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The only time we lose, the only time we lose is if we quit. See, you can choose to quit. That is the truth. You can choose to give up. You can choose to lay down. But if you will trust God, if you will say, Lord, I've made some mistakes, but I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my everything. I'm going to surrender to you right now. Change me. He will take three down and he'll help you win. Because he did it in my life. He did it in my life. Anybody else? Has God taken those times in your life when you thought you, it was over and he reached down and he lifted you up? That's our God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today.
for each person represented here. Lord, each life represented here. And I know that there are people today, Lord, right now, they're dealing with physical challenges. Their bodies are, are having challenges right now, Lord. There's people here that they're dealing with challenges in their family or they're dealing with challenges at work or, or their spouse or their kids or finances. Whatever it is, they're dealing with challenges right now. And they feel like they're losing the game. Lord, I pray that you would touch their hearts this morning. And I want to speak to you this morning. If that's you today, if you're out here and say, Pastor, that's me. I just feel beat up. I've made so many mistakes. I need God's help. If that's you, I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come down. And like we've been talking about, this is a family. If that's you, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. We're here and we're in this together. And when one of us wins, we all win. And if one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm dealing with some challenges. There's some things going on and I just want somebody to pray with me. I just want you to get up and come down. There's somebody here ready to pray for you. If that's you, just come on down and say, Pastor, that's me today. Say, I'm dealing with some stuff and I just need somebody to pray with me. Amen. That's you today. Amen. Or maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I heard what you were saying and, and I heard that Jesus wants to help me, but the truth is, the truth is, Jesus is not my Lord. I have never received Jesus as my Savior. I have never asked Jesus to come live in my heart, but I really feel like I need to do that. If that's you today and say, Pastor, today I want to make that decision. I want to ask Jesus to be my Savior. Or maybe you're here today and you have. You received Jesus maybe as a kid. Or maybe a few years ago, whatever. But you've walked away and you know you're not living right. You know you need to rededicate your heart to God. If that's you, just get up and come down. There's no condemnation here. We're a family. Say, Pastor, that's me. I just want to rededicate my heart to the Lord today. I need to do that. If that's you, just come on down the front. We're going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Just pray for a minute. feel like I need to say something. Many of us, not me, but a lot, of, a lot of us have grown up in families where we talk about, when I say the word, or Trish and I say the word church family, you don't, that's hard for you to hear. Because maybe you grew up in a family that was dysfunctional. <laughs> maybe you grew up in a family that put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But this is what a church family does. We carry each other's burdens. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I didn't have a good family growing up. This is a good family. And this is a family that will help carry your burdens. This is a family that will be here for you. This is a family that wants to help you out. Because that's what we do. Amen. I'll stand and we're going to allow them to continue praying. I'm going to ask everybody today. We're going to exit quietly today as the folks continue to pray. We don't want to disturb that. We don't want to disturb what God's doing, do we? Amen. I want to remind you tonight at 515 at Financial Peace University. Come for that. 
Then we're going to have a stewardship meeting after class. And then we're going to clean up the church. Anybody enjoying doing that? It's fun, isn't it? Amen. I want you to know that you are loved. God's not mad at you. God's madly in love with you. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your family. He wants to bless every step you take. Amen. Let's exit quietly today. God bless you.